Hey guys, welcome back to Let's Talk About It. My name is Megan. And I'm Jackie. And we are going to be discussing slash debating slash arguing slash not really arguing because we don't actually argue on this podcast about birth control today. We just argue off of the podcast and we're not really friends. In real life. (laughs) Yeah, but no, just kidding. Yes. So birth control, I feel like this is kind of a touchy subject, um, which is why Jackie's been putting off recording this podcast. Hey. (laughs) Yeah, kind of, because yeah, it's a lot touchier than Sola Scriptura or even the Marian doctrines. It's what people are doing in the most intimate part of their lives, their Mm -hmm. sex life. Like, I I don't want to feel like I'm attacking someone with my opinion, so... Yeah, and it's very complex, I feel like, and yeah, there's just a lot to it, which is, of course, why we need to talk about it, because when we don't talk about these things, a lot of misunderstanding can take place. So, we are coming at this, obviously, Jackie is Catholic, so Jackie is not for birth control, and I'm Protestant, and Protestants tend to be more lenient in this. It's kind of just like up to the individual. So I, I'll explain my view, I guess, but I'm not against birth control. And we want to preface this podcast um, with that we are discussing the use of artificial birth control with the purpose of family planning. We're not talking about the usage of birth control for health issues. That's a whole nother conversation um, that both Jackie and I actually agree on. It's definitely permissible for a woman if she has different health issues and her doctor thinks it's best and she agrees that taking birth control would help. She's obviously more than welcome to do that. Both Jackie and I know people who struggle with PCOS or endometriosis where taking birth control helps manage pain, helps manage their cycle. That's completely different. Um, Also, both Jackie and I would agree that birth control tends to be over-prescribed. So that's a whole different conversation, but we wanted to preface this conversation with that disclaimer that we are talking about in in this conversation in the context of a married couple who is having sex. Are they trying to have kids or are they trying to prevent that kind of conversation? So we will start with some other points where we actually agree. We both agree sex is only permitted within marriage, stated throughout scripture clearly, and we both agree that children are a gift from God, which is also stated clearly in scripture. And we both recognize that the world considers, and when I'm saying the world, I mean in in the sense of those who are not Christian, considers children a burden oftentimes, and a lot of people are advised to have as few children as possible, if any. You know, there's kind of this attitude that children are a bother. They get in the way. They interrupt dreams and goals and careers. And our world, at least like our modern culture, tends to mock women who just have a dream of being mothers as simple. And this is definitely a non-Christian way to think. This is antithetical to the gospel message. And both Jackie and I would agree on that. I also think, and Jackie would completely agree with me, that contraceptives are a result of the sexual revolution and this separated sex from procreation. And so it's good to be aware of how this affects us personally and as a culture. 
this has not always been a conversation because the, they haven't always existed. And so it's just important. It's always important to understand the roots of things, where they come from, why they were developed. That can really form your view. Mm-hmm. And we also would agree that abortifacients, methods that could possibly or intentionally harm an already fertilized egg are never permissible because we obviously both agree that life begins at fertilization and everything possible should be done to nurture that life once it is created. We also both agree that regulating the number of children a married couple has should only be done for godly reasons and never selfish or harmful motives. And if a couple is partaking in the act of sex, they should always be open to potential life. And obviously this will develop as we go on, but we just disagree on what being open to life looks like practically, but the principle remains. So my view or argument is that artificial forms of birth control, obviously that are non-abortifacients, that are non-harmful, that are non Um, harmful to both the woman and the fertilized egg, are permissible. That does not mean they're always good, but my argument is that they're not always bad. And my case for them being permissible is that one, biblical sex within marriage has many purposes, and procreation is just one of those purposes. So it's not required that procreation always be a possibility in order for sex to be biblical. If this was the case, sex could only occur within one week out of the month during a woman's fertile window and never while she is pregnant and never beyond childbearing years. Yes. So this is where we would disagree. Um, For sex to be moral in the Catholic view, one has to be fully open to life. Even if you're having sex outside of a fertile window, which is totally permissible, you're not interrupting the natural cycle of a woman's body intentionally with contraception. Um, When one has sex, one must be fully open to God, and we would see using birth control as intentionally preventing that from happening. Um, Now, if one is not fertile or is sterile, the wife or the husband, their sex is still moral because they are freely entering into sex and fully giving themselves, even though they're not fertile by fault of their own. But they themselves are not intentionally contracepting artificially, I should say, or in a way that is not natural. And I know a lot of people are going to say, um, God can work against birth control, which is true. And, uh, actually we both know people that have uh, gotten pregnant while yeah. on birth control. <laughs> we work at a pregnancy center. Yeah. So we've seen it all. <laughs> and I would say it's still, the couple is intentionally, cutting off one of the main purposes like what sex is for which as catholics we would see that sex is for father mike schmitz uses these two babies and bonding are the two words so the couple becoming more fully united obviously closer in sex and then procreation and when you use birth control you are intentionally cutting off one of the purposes of sex yes god can work through that but that act itself that you are doing would not be morally illicit in the Catholic view. So that's where we ha- we disagree of what it means to be fully open to life. We think that that means you need to fully enter together with nothing coming in between the two of you at all. Um, 
including that including birth control or a condom or whatever what other yeah whatever form of birth control and I think what this really comes down to is I see this as more of a heart issue of in my opinion if a couple is using NFP so if they're using their natural cycle to choose when they're having children I don't see that as any different because the heart is trying to plan children and so I guess my pushback would be if we use this argument in other areas of life right what is the purpose of drinking alcohol or eating dessert if the primary purpose of food and drink is to nourish the body you know if if we're eating dessert like non-nourishing food or drinking alcohol there is a possible sin of gluttony or drunkenness and so if we're partaking only for pleasure, is that also wrong? No. So this is where I'm going to definitely link to this video, but this is what made most sense to me when asking that question, because obviously people, two people can go into sex with just the intention of bonding or another purpose of sex is also the pleasure. Like that is, I, I think we would see a lesser um, purpose of sex in the Catholic view um, below like the procreation and the bonding of the two but pleasure I mean it's something God he, God gave us the orgasm and pleasure in sex and he wants us to feel that way in sex <laughs> Megan's like yes <laughs> we both agree on that um, but we would see that you were intentionally you can go into sex thinking about just the pleasure but you shouldn't intentionally be interrupting or cutting off one of its other main purposes. So like, say you have a table and the table is meant for you to sit at it and, and eat. You can go and just sit on the table and you're not using it for its intended purpose, but you're also not violating its nature or what it's for. You're not violating the table in any way by just going and sitting on it, which is what a couple does when they go and they have sex and they're just thinking about, oh, we want to be closer and unite more. Um, because they're not just thinking about the pleasure, although, you know, that's a part of the uniting. Well, hopefully. But <laughs> um, they're not going it intending to make a baby, but they're also not cutting off that purpose or violating that purpose, um, especially even if they're doing it in a non-fertile time because that's the natural cycle that God gave us and that's naturally a part of our cycle. So, yeah, you can have sex during that time. So... I hope that makes sense, even if you don't agree, but that might make a little bit more sense of where we're coming, um, what we're, yeah, what we think about that. Mm -hmm, for sure. And I also want to, like, disclaimer, I'm not against NFP in any way, shape, or form. I think NFP is a very good method for different couples. Um, and I think both Jackie and I would agree that NFP really helps a woman understand her cycle. And we're both very passionate about women understanding their cycle, about women tracking their cycles. It's something that I appreciated working at a pregnancy center was having women learn just more about their own bodies and be more in tune with, you know, the way God created them. I think that's wonderful. And so I'm not against NFP in any way. I don't want this to come across as me, like, promoting birth control over NFP. I, I think NFP is great, a good tool. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess... My confusion is that if a couple is using NFP, which would be 
abstaining from intercourse during the period of time where procreation could take place, then it's non-procreational. And so how is that different from a couple choosing to use an artificial method to also not have children during that time? So I guess I could come at this from a few different angles. So I think we both agree on the reasons that you should be trying to prevent birth. We think they should be only, I guess, in the Catholic world, you're really only supposed to use NFP to prevent having kids if there is an actual grave matter. So financial or health or mental health or the state of the world. But that gets tricky because I think people can over-exaggerate the state of the world and why they can't have kids. But it goes back to when you're using NFP, you're working with the natural cycle of the woman and you are in no way intentionally or artificially going against that purpose of sex. You're just working with the cycle that God gave you. Whereas in NFP, or when if you're using contraception, you can have sex whenever you want. And it's not working with the natural cycle of the woman. And it's very intentionally using an artificial means to violate the nature of sex in a way that we would see, like what it's for. And... I feel like we're just going to talk back and forth on this point because (laughs) I can clearly see to me how it's just really different. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're, when a couple has to use NFP, first of all, it makes them think a lot more about the reasons as to why they're not going to have kids because we, we both think it should be grave reasons why you're intentionally preventing having kids. The couple has to sit there and be like, is this really a grave enough reason? And they have to like really be responsible and really work together with the woman's cycle And if you're just using birth control, you don't have to do that. And you can just kind of have sex whenever you want. And um, you don't have to think about it as much as to like why you're actually not having kids. So I guess that's more of a practical thing, but it, it, it is just different. I think it's a lot more intentional when you're just going with the woman's natural cycle. And like I said, you are not intentionally violating the nature of sex, which is what we would see it as. And I hate saying that over and over again because I have a lot of people in my life that use birth control and that I, I love. So it's like, you know, doesn't hate you. Yeah, in your marriage, you're violating the nature of sex. But that's just how we would, I guess, from a philosophical standpoint, the way we would describe why we see that is very different, even though practically and your, and your actual intentions and reasons why you're doing it are the same got it so to kind of shift the conversation i think another reason that i see birth control as permissible and once again i'm using the word permissible because if this violates your conscience or you know there i i definitely think there can be situations for where for someone it's it would not be good for them to be on birth control and i fully agree of that um so i'm saying that birth control is permissible in that for some people it is fine Um, because I do not see it expressly forbidden in scripture. So the way I would back this up is Genesis 2.18. We all know this verse talks about that it is not good for a man to be alone. But then we see in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul state that he wishes more would join him in singleness. So then you kind of look at that and you're like, wait a second, should all get married? No. So clearly the fall of man, which is after that mandate, in Genesis 2, affected how the natural world order and how things should be ideally. 
So under some circumstances, it's now better for some to be alone. Whereas before the fall, it was not. It was not good for man to be alone. And it was certainly better for Paul to be single because he could be solely devoted to Christ and his missions work. We see that and go to jail every other weekend without having a wife worrying about him or children to provide for. (laughs) So clearly it was better for him to be single. And because our world is broken, we now have different kingdom callings. And some of this involves marriage. Some of this involves singleness. So that's an example, right? Now we can take this with the mandate in Genesis 1, which is actually very close to that mandate in Genesis 2. Genesis 1 says to be fruitful and multiply. It is good to have as many have many children, and if that's your desire and calling from God, no one should discourage you. But just as Genesis 2 has been affected, so has this mandate. So birth control is permissible if taken correctly and for pure motives. I mean, that's where we would see that NFP would be allowed because maybe a couple shouldn't have as many kids, but we still wouldn't be able to justify birth control. And this also gets at the differences in the way that we, how should I say this, in our backgrounds as Protestants and Catholics. So even just Megan Megan saying, I don't see it expressly forbidden in scripture. Just because something isn't expressly forbidden in scripture for Catholics, that's not really how our moral framework works. Um, It was actually agreed by most Christians until the 1930s that birth control was not permissible. And so there's a tradition of it not being permitted. It wasn't until the Anglican Church in the 1930s said, actually, it's up to the discretion or the conscience of the couple, which is now a lot more of a popular view among Protestants. And I should say a lot of Catholics just go against that teaching and practically don't <laughs> and, practically, that's what and don't care um I actually found an interesting statistic mm-hmm. i'll have to try and look it up again but it's like 90 percent of mm-hmm. married protestant women are on birth control and 80 percent of married catholic women are mm-hmm. which yeah yeah also like 70 percent of catholics don't believe in the eucharist so we have a huge problem <laughs> um of catechizing in the catholic church so <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, um, it's a problem, folks. Um, So, yeah, I guess we just would say, yeah, well, I mean, this is kind of off topic, but going to the Paul thing, yeah, we do think that some people should be consecrated and celibate, um, and they're obviously um, not having sex, but still in marriage, we see that you should be fully open to life and being fruitful and multiplying, and because the world is broken, yes, Sometimes you might need to use NFP to try to not have kids, but we don't think that don't think it's moral that you should be able to use artificial means of birth control. So I think both Jackie and I would agree with this statement. We just don't agree where we take it. And that is that there is a place for thoughtful and biblical regulation of when children come and how many come. So my argument as to why birth control is permissible for this reason is that um, birth control in and of itself is neutral. It's not in and of itself evil. And so just because some may use it incorrectly, that doesn't mean that others cannot use it correctly, that it's the heart of the matter that's important, that God looks beyond our simple actions and deep into our hearts. So I like this quote by John Piper. He says, We should make decisions based on kingdom purposes. 
that is the kingdom of God. If for kingdom reasons, gospel reasons, advancement reasons, and radical service reasons, having another child would be unwise, then we have the right and freedom to regulate that. But such regulation must presuppose that we are not doing anything like abortion to measure out when and how many children we have. So since children are a gift from God, they belong to God and not us. We're called to be good and faithful stewards. And so I really truly believe there can be godly reasons to decide to wait to have children, for example, to better provide. Waiting to be out of college, waiting to have a job, waiting to maybe for some people have a house or live in a safer area or reasonable financial considerations. I think this can definitely be taken out of hand, but there are reasonable reasons and that this isn't a lack of trust in God, but because in no area of our life are we called to just be reckless and expect God to provide for us, right? The Bible calls us to have godly wisdom. And so I think it's important to be informed and knowledgeable about the types of contraceptives, how they work and how they affect the woman's body. You know, because I do truly believe unnatural or artificial contraceptives aren't best for everyone. I also think NFP isn't best for everyone. But I just I think it's critical to use birth control within a mindset that's biblically aligned, that no decision is made out of selfishness and that we're always open to life. Yeah, so I'm going to read from the catechism on our beliefs on birth control because, first of all, um, it sounds better than me trying to put it in my own words, (laughs) and it might make more sense to everyone. (laughs) So, yes, I will start with, um, because we would agree that it is totally licit to space out your kids and for you know for good reasons and actually it could be a very responsible things thing for parents um but so i'll start out with um the catechism in 2370 periodic continence which is nfp that is the methods of birth regulation based on self-observance and the use of infertile periods is in conformity with the objective criteria of morality These methods respect the bodies of the spouses, encourage tenderness between them, and favor the education of an authentic freedom. In contrast, every action which, whether in anticipation of the conjugal act, or in its accomplishment, or in the development of its natural consequences, proposes, whether as an end or as a means, to render procreation impossible, is intrinsically evil. So, like I said, it's going to sound bad, but we would not see birth control as a neutral act. We see using artificial birth control as an evil act so it can never be licit in the catholic view and then i'll keep reading from the catechism to unite in sex as a married couple the two must give themselves fully to each other including their fertility the married couple forms the intimate partnership of life and love established by the creator and governed by his laws it is rooted in the conjugal covenant that is in their irrevocable personal consent Both give themselves definitively and totally to one another. They are no longer two. From now on, they form one flesh. The covenant they freely contracted imposes on the spouses the obligation to preserve it as unique and indissoluble. Sorry, guys. What, therefore, God has joined together, let man not put asunder. Thus, the innate language that expresses the total reciprocal self-giving of husband and wife is overlaid through contraception by an objectively contradictory language, namely that of not giving oneself totally to the other. 
This leads not only to a positive refusal to be open to life, but also to a falsification of the inner truth of conjugal love, which is called upon to give itself in personal totality. The difference between anthropological and moral, between contraception and recourse to the rhythm of the cycle, involves in the final analysis two irreconcilable concepts of the human person and of human sexuality. So that sounded a lot better than what I was trying to say. It's like smarter people. But it's like smarter people wrote it than me. Um, But yeah, I mean, like I said, we think birth control disrupts this unity between the two, this total self-giving of each of each other to the other. And yeah, it's just a totally different view of birth control itself. I think that was a good point that Megan brought up because we wouldn't think that like, even if you have good intentions, if you're doing an evil act, you know, good intentions can never make an actual evil act good. But Megan would see birth control as a neutral act, whereas in the Catholic view, we do see it as an intrinsically evil act. Yeah, so that's really helpful. And and once again, I'm always a proponent for hearing like what the act, the other side actually believes. So even just hearing it straight from the catechism is is really good and helpful. And I feel like there's kind of two maybe main issues that we can address. And one is that people who use birth control are not open to life. And the other um, is that it's wrong to manipulate a woman's cycle and that that disru- disrupts the unity. So I think I'll just start by responding to... Um, the the assumption that people who use birth control are not open to life and i really love this quote from matt perman he's a writer for the gospel coalition he said if such planning is done for god's glory and in wisdom and if such planning continues to acknowledge that our plans are not perfect and that birth control does not absolutely ensure anything it is pleasing to god So I would say that being open to life means acknowledging that God is ultimately in control of our family and that children are not our own, but a gift that we are to steward. So this is why I see that just as a couple practicing NFP is avoiding children, but willing to welcome that life if it is created. So also the couple using birth control in a faithfully godly manner is attempting to plan, but willing to welcome that life as well. I see the intentions being the same, that the method is simply different. And so I guess my confusion is, how is it that the disruption of a cycle is sinful, but working within that cycle for the same intention is not? I think birth control is a good resource for a couple with this established pure intention, but for a woman who maybe doesn't have a cycle that works well with NFP. Maybe she's extremely irregular or she has PCOS or something like that. I also wanted to bring up James 4, 13 through 15. This passage reads, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do, know, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. So I see this passage telling us that We are to still make wise plans, but always with the attitude of if the Lord wills. And this is exhibited in taking birth control, but being open to life. 
it's kind of like saying we're planning our family, but if the Lord wills, we will welcome a child with joy. It would be unfair, I feel, to assume that just because a couple chose to execute that plan with artificial means, that it's impossible for them to be open to life. And as a personal example, in my own marriage, I've used birth control and I've done NFP. Um, and, and both times, I believe it would be completely sinful for me to be unwelcoming of potential life. And I can honestly say that both times I've been equally willing to welcome life joyfully if that life occurred, regardless of how I was working to prevent pregnancy. I was not more welcoming of life when I was doing NFP because I see this as a heart issue. And I can freely say that both my husband and I examined our hearts before the Lord and did not feel convicted of taking birth control for a period of time in our marriage that we felt was wise. And we discussed this with, you know, our pastor and premarital counseling. And I want to be a wise steward of my children. And that's not something I take lightly. My husband and I agreed that we believe it would be unwise to have children in this moment. But if I found out I was pregnant tomorrow, Jackie knows I would be delighted. I'd be the happiest person alive. So I think that just because your heart can have impure motives for taking birth control, I also think your heart can have impure motives for doing NFP. And I just see it logically following that the reverse can also be true. Yeah. Thanks for laying that out, Megan, and also getting personal because I think it helps It helps to break down some caricatures of people that take birth control because I think they would think that you're not open to life like if you were to get pregnant or it's just good to hear your mindset surrounding that because it actually does sound very similar to mine. It's just when you get down to the details and especially the, I guess, philosophy behind birth control it's just that's where it's different because you are certainly right that people can use nfp for bad intentions which is why the church is so careful about what reasons and you have to look at your intentions behind using nfp because evil intentions of an act that is morally neutral nfp can make the act evil Mm -hmm. so that is true we just we would still see the actual act of birth control even if the couple's intentions which most people, I think, um, especially good Christians, they are not evil intentions. They're actually the very similar intentions as people that are doing NFP. The act itself is still intrinsically evil because, yes, God can still work through birth control, and he does because we've seen that happen um, personally and at our jobs. It's still violating one of those purposes of sex the very nature of sex the what forness of sex it's still very intentionally changing the woman's cycle changing that she's not ovulating anymore she's not her body is not fertile really it's not the same as when it's interrupting the cycle you are no longer ovulating at all whereas if you're using nfp you're working with your natural cycle And when you're having sex, you yourselves, that's just a part of the cycle where you're not fertile, but you are not intentionally cutting off. I don't want to say cutting off. I'm just not smart enough to know exactly how to say that right. But you're not intentionally, like you're not violating the very nature of sex. Whereas with birth control, you are. And God can still work through that. And also birth control is not 100%. It's only like... The very best one. The very best is, yeah, 98 
um, it's just, it's just, it's different. And I don't know how else to say it other than we just see it as very different than when you're using NFP with good intentions. The actual act of birth control, the church still sees as intrinsically evil is not good. And yeah, I say that very well aware that a lot of people I know are using birth control. And also most people I know using birth control are not evil themselves and their intentions also aren't evil. So I don't want it to seem like an attack, but that is the church teaching and what makes sense to me. Um, yeah, but I would love to hear people's comments or if they have a better way of defending the church teaching or um, like direct comments to what I said, like different than what Megan said as to why they're like, no, I still think birth control is okay. I always think it's interesting when we actually like just break it down and have these conversations that we always come away being like, I guess we agree more than we thought. Um, yeah. So I all wanted to kind of address the other objection and that was being that it's wrong to manipulate the woman's cycle and that that interrupts or disrupts that union of the sexual act. Oh, mm -hmm. So the assumption in this view appears to me, and Jackie, you can correct me, but it appears that God is more at work in our natural bodies when we, than when we seek to be stewards and regulate our bodies with artificial means. And I would just, I would disagree. Um, I think that God is just as much in control of when one has children, regardless of the measures taken to prevent. I don't think God's hands are tied by the pill. I think a couple will have children precisely when God decides they will, regardless of whether they use birth control or not, that, that God is ultimately the one in control of the size of one's family. Mm hmm um, Matt Pierman, and I'm sorry, this is a correction. He's not a writer for the Gospel Coalition. He's a writer for Desiring God. I always mix those up, <laughs> so sorry about that. But he has another good quote. Um, the trust God, therefore don't use birth control thinking is based on the incorrupt as incorrect as assumption. Just going to start that quote over. Matt Pierman, who is a writer for Desiring God, I'm sorry, I said that incorrectly before, he's not a writer for Gospel Coalition. He says the, quote, trust God, therefore don't use birth control, quote, thinking is based upon the incorrect assumption that what happens naturally reflects God's best for our lives, but that what happens through human means does not. So I would say that God works through human means every day. So although we pray for healing, we take artificial healing measures in the form of medicines. God works through that. Although we pray for God to provide for us, we still work jobs and stick to budgets, and God works through that. So I think birth control is permissible depending on the heart intentions of taking it. I don't see it as intrinsically evil because I see it being used for good and evil means. For example, we both agree that it's good to use it for health reasons. So I don't, I, I don't see that as inherently evil. If it's in and of itself evil, then it couldn't be used for good at all. So if it's sinful to disrupt the natural cycle to avoid children, how is abusing or taking advantage of the cycle's natural predictability for the same intention righteous? And so my pushback would be, wouldn't someone on birth control technically be more open to life because there's at least a percentage of a chance that they could get pregnant compared to someone who's abstaining completely and there's literally 0% chance. And then I would also disagree that birth control means that the husband and wife are not truly becoming one in the act of sex. 
the argument being that you're not fully giving if you don't give your fertility. Um, because I don't see you giving your fertility during your infertile window. And I also don't see fertility as ours to own or give. It belongs to the Lord who gives and withholds children according to his will. So just as an infertile couple, a couple beyond childbearing years, a disabled couple, or a couple having sex in their infertile cycle period are fully giving of themselves, so also is the couple having sex on birth control, once again, if birth control is being used for the right reasons. Sex is sacred because in the act of union, we're reflecting the oneness of the Trinity and the marriage between Christ and the church, which is so beautiful. And this is meant to give us a tangible, physical reflection of that heavenly reality. And that's why I believe marriage to be sacramental. Sexual union brings glory to God when it fulfills his design and purpose to provide pleasure, intimacy, and the openness of procreation within a marriage. Mm -hmm. And I personally cannot think of a single time my husband and I were having sex where either of us were holding something back or not completely giving of ourselves to the other. And we, when we first were married, made an agreement with each other that if we were about to go into sex and one of us felt like we weren't going to be fully giving of the other or weren't fully open to life, that we would not have sex. And we've held to that. You just made a lot of points, so I'm trying to think of where to start. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, so I guess I should say NFP is definitely not 100%. (laughs) Just like birth control, it's actually the same. It's like 98 to 99% effective. So there's still definitely leaving room in there for God to, if he wants you to have kids, you're going to have a kid, just like with birth control. Um, by using NFP. And I would say the difference between using a medication or even using the birth control pill as a medication, because unfortunately that's really the only option a lot of doctors will give women, which is Mm -hmm. a totally different uh, podcast episode. (laughs) Um, The difference of taking like a medication for something that's going wrong in the body, body or budgeting or trying to fix something in the body is that you're trying to fix something that is unhealthy that is broken because of the fall when you're taking birth control for the means of contracepting you are interrupting something that's already working as it should that is healthy so it's not the same as taking medication or budgeting or all the other things we're called to do as responsible people um so that's where i would see a distinction there and like i said It is hard. This is why this gets so personal, because we would see using birth control as not fully entering as one. Um, But that's not the couple's intention when they're doing it, especially good Christian couples that love each other and are entering as one. But there's something on that like physiological level that I think is different And the church describes it much better. So I'll leave. I think I even like when I was reading it here, but I'll leave Mm -hmm. sources below. But we just it's just it's still different. But it's not it's not that the couple themselves is like, we're not going to fully give ourselves to each other. And that's why this topic is so hard for me to talk about, because I I don't want to speak into couples that are using birth control because I don't think that's their intention. That's not what they're thinking. And that that's not what they're they're doing when they're, you know, when they're having sex, when they're using birth control. Um, 
But I did like that point that you brought up, Megan, about how is if birth control itself um, is intrinsically evil, how can you even how can the church condone it for uh, medical reasons? That's because like when we're looking at the pill, it's it's something totally different than actual birth control. So like birth control, like, and the only thing you can use as an actual medication, I guess, is the hormonal birth control is what they use for that. So when we're talking about artificial birth control, like we're talking about condoms and the IUD and the whatever that thing is people put in their arms. (laughs) Um, And then hormonal birth control, that is always evil, especially when it's being used to prevent birth but we're looking at it as something totally different when you're using it for medication if that makes sense it's like a totally different thing so that's why it's not intrinsically evil like the little pill itself is not the intrinsically evil thing it is the act of doing something to contracept got it that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah. even though we disagree it does help me to hear Megan say all of this because I'm like wow that makes so much sense as to how a good Christian couple uses birth control and is actually like very much with their intentions honoring God. Yeah. Yeah. I would love uh, just to hear your guys' thoughts of you listening. I know we have kind of a more diverse audience in that we have Catholic listeners, we have Protestant listeners. Um, so I'd just be very curious kind of to see where you guys are all coming from. Yeah. So as always, please reach out to us. Um, please ask us clarifying questions, you know, insert your comments. Like, yeah, don't hold back. We are are interested genuinely in what you have to say. And yeah, as always, it's just important to talk about these issues because, you know, Jackie and I wouldn't actually truly understand where the other person was coming from if we didn't just sit down here and talk about it. So that's why we should talk about it. So let's talk about it. Yeah.